Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is May the 4th, and we are continuing our study through uh, the letter from Paul to the Galatians. And last time we were together, um, we got down, if I'm correct here, we got down to uh, verse number 16. And I'd remind you that all of these podcasts are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whatever uh, you use to, to listen to your podcast. They're there. And then, of course, I always put them up onto, um, onto uh, YouTube as well. And then, of course, they're also always on Rumble. So uh, we got down through verse number 16. So less for context, let's pick it up. In verse number 15, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Um, of course, notice he says we, so he's definitely including himself in that, that pronoun there. We who are Jews by nature, Paul was a Jew, and not sinners of the Gentiles. And understand that the Gentiles were outside the covenants, covenants and the promises of God. Uh, they were the heathen, the unbelieving um, so in God's economy, there's Jews and there's Gentiles. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now, there he's drawn another distinction. Not only is he talking about Jews, but he's, he's talking about grace-believing Jews. Because knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, that's to totally the contrary of the law. That's the grace gospel. But by faith, by the faith of Jesus Christ, and we'll talk about that, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, most translations get rid of that. Um, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no man be justified. So it's got to be understood here that Paul is not only addressing Jews, but he's only addressing a certain group of Jews. He's addressing those group, those Jews that believe that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So the language makes it clear that he is addressing Jews who have placed their faith in Christ and not in the law, and that would mean that they are grace believers. They're not kingdom believers. They're grace believers. And again, he says that by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This has to be referring to the new dispensation of grace, because under the old dispensation of the law, they were justified by works. In Romans 2.13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Romans 2.13 is clearly not referring to this present dispensation. It's referring to the dispensation of the law. And again, today, sadly, most people mix the two and cause themselves tremendous amounts of confusion. And actually what Paul says, they frustrate grace. They frustrate grace because they try to mix the law with grace. And you can't do that. You end up with another gospel. You end up with something that's not good news at all. And another proof is that James says the exact opposite in, in James chapter 2, verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? 
seeing how thou hast seen thou seeing now how faith um, wrought with his works, and by works was his faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. So what's the difference here? Paul is talking to a group of Jews who had placed their faith in Christ and no longer found their justification by works or their justification by the law. So that means that he's talking to grace believers. He's talking to believers who had listened to the gospel of grace, the mystery that had revealed that had been revealed to him, and he's not talking to the ones that James is talking to right now. James never talked to grace believers. And that's why when we if we do not rightly divide the word and we do not realize and again you're dividing truth from truth what Paul is saying is true for grace believers and what James is saying is true for kingdom believers and the other Jews James was addressing kingdom believers Paul is addressing grace believers here in the context of Galatians again different audiences both truth. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, and James was to the circumcision. The book of James was not written to the body of Christ, but to kingdom believers. But how many times have I in the past opened up the book of James and tried to fit grace into it? There is no grace in it. It is to kingdom believers who were justified by their works, by being justified by the law. And of course, I would spin it, just like I hear so many spin it today. Well, see, uh, faith without works is dead. So if you got faith, you're going to produce works. That's not what James is talking about. That's not the context. He's not addressing grace believers. Uh, Then notice in verse number 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves, now notice, but if, if while we seek to be The we is still referring to we who are Jews by nature. So while we seek to be justified by Christ and not the law, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. The we in this verse is referring to believing Jews. His point to Peter here, remember he had just rebuked Peter who was playing the hypocrite, who would hang out with the Gentiles, would eat with the Gentiles. But when the Jews, the kingdom Jews would come around, Peter would separate himself from the Gentiles and he was being a hypocrite about it. And his point here to Peter is that he would be a sinner if he tried to get the Gentiles to do things under the law that are no longer required under grace. Can you imagine that? It makes you a sinner to try to get grace believers to do things that do not apply to them, things that are under the law. God forbid, Paul says, I wouldn't do that. And if I did do that, I would found to be a sinner. I would be found to be a minister of sin. Verse 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, To put oneself back under the law would make them a sinner or make him a sinner and a false prophet if I tried to do that. And of course, he's accusing Peter of doing exactly that. And again, the point here is that by bringing people who have been saved by grace back under the law would be in essence rebuilding the wall of partition that was removed by grace. 
And Paul refers to that wall in Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 11 when he says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles. So who's he addressing here? Gentiles. I mean, it's all a matter of figuring out who the audience is here. Okay? Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, that means you're born, natural born Gentiles, who are called the uncircumcision, outside the law and the covenants, the promises of God, by which is called the circumcision, the Jews in the flesh made by hands, physical circumcision, that in time past you were without Christ. Who? Gentiles. You were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one. He hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law, the commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself twain a new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body. He's referring to the body of Christ. The body of Christ was formed by breaking down the wall of partition of, of the law, which allowed for grace. And Paul here is saying, I would become a transgressor gressor if I attempted to rebuild or to reestablish that wall, to set up the law again. I would become a transgressor. Um, he says in verse 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. What are the things that Paul destroyed? The grace gospel overcame the law. In other words, to put oneself or others back under the law would make him a sinner and a false prophet. And again, it's putting God's people, grace believers, this new man, this body of Christ back under the law is wrong. We shouldn't do that. Um, this is what, um, make no mistake, the devil was trying and mostly successful at getting the church to put the wall back up by pulling us or getting us to go back under the law, under the law. Every time we do it, the wall gets higher. Don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. One brick at a time, every time we start trying to move grace back under the law, we are, in essence, eliminating grace. That's what we're doing. And Paul here is saying is, I'm not going to do that. If I did do that, I would become a transgressor. For if I build again the things that I destroyed, and of course, the, the, the mystery, the, uh, the grace gospel removed us from under the law. And Paul is saying, if, if I allowed you guys to go back under the law, you're building again the things which I destroyed. You're building that wall again. And he says in verse 19, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. What does he mean, through the law I'm dead to the law? His point is that through grace he is now dead to the law. Why would I go back under the law that I'm dead to? Or it could be that he is saying that the law killed him, but grace has given him life again. 
But either way, he's saying, I can't go back under the law, and neither should you. You should not be allowing these people to drag you back under the law. In 2 Timothy 1.10, but it is now manifest by the peering of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, who hath both abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light. How? Through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. So Paul is saying, don't go back under the law. Don't allow people to take you back under the law. And then he goes on in verse number 20, and he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus, just as Christ died to the law, so did Paul. And now his life is the result of the faith of the Son of God that sent him to the cross in his stead. He is not saying that Christ's faith saved him, but that Christ's faith provided the means of his salvation. In other words, our faith in his completed work on Calvary is what saves us. You remember back up in verse number 16? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ. Not by the faith in Christ, but by the faith of Christ. It was the faith of Christ that made Calvary a possibility. It was his faith. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. That faith of Christ is referring to his sacrificial death, the faith that he had that took him to the cross. So it's not his faith that saved us, but it's our faith, <laughs> our faith, our, our faith in the work of Christ and what he did on the cross that saved us. It was Christ's faith that made salvation possible. Now, other translations will, will change this up a little bit. Uh, verse number 16 here, for example, New American Standard. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the, by the works of the law, but through the faith in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ. But now the King James talks about, but by the faith of Christ, we have believed in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. To me, I, I don't see a need to twist that to make it say something other than it says. I mean, it's saying that Christ had faith and did what he was told to do by his Father by going to the cross, and our faith in what he did is what saves us. I don't see a problem with that, but a lot of the translations kind of turn that around. Um, so... You know, I don't necessarily know why, but understand we've got underlying texts that are different, um, and then we we also have um, theologians who attempt to uh, insert doctrine into the translation of the text. I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, that's why you know some translations have more of a reformed bent to them. And some translations have more of a 
evangelical bent to them because we all tend to see the Bible through the lens which we have been given or the lens that we have adopted. And we all need to be careful of that. Just let the Bible speak. Um, and, and I believe in the underlying text uh, of the King James personally. I mean, I believe it is the most accurate. Uh, so I'm going to go with that. Um, so um, then notice what he says in verse 21. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What he means by not frustrating the grace of God would be to leave grace and return to the law. That frustrates grace. That makes grace more difficult. If you're trying to mingle the law with grace, you are frustrating grace. The word frustrate means to put in place of. In other words, to put the law in the place of grace. You're frustrating grace. Furthermore, he says that righteousness does not come by the law, at least not in this dispensation. I mean, righteousness did come by the law in the old dispensation, but he's saying not in this dispensation. Again, I mean, it's, it's separating truth from truth. In summary, it's imperative that we understand that verses 15 through 21 here in Galatians, okay, uh, it needs to be seen for who is being addressed. Paul is speaking to believing Jews, and it will not make sense, and it will actually contradict other scriptures to see it otherwise. He's not addressing Gentiles in verses 15 through 21. He is addressing grace-believing Jews. Some of these believing Jews wanted to place themselves back under the law in verses 18 through 19, okay? But Paul tells them that it is not possible for those who have been freed by grace to go back under the law because they are dead to it now through Christ. And he warned them to stop frustrating the grace of God in their attempt to do so. So that's what the verses are talking about here in verses uh, 15 through 20, 21. Justified by faith, yes, but the audience is we who are Jews by nature. So he is addressing in these verses grace-believing Jews who were being tempted to place themselves back under the law, which they were dead to. Okay? Need to understand that. Now, in chapter number three, in this chapter, we see um, Paul doubling down against this works gospel that was being pushed, which was an attempt to mix works with grace. And that's exactly what we have in the church today. Um, there are no, uh, there is no salvation through the kingdom gospel today. None. The kingdom offer came off the table, I believe, around the, de the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. There are no kingdom believers today. There are only grace believers. It is the only way to God for Jew and Gentile. He has made one. We are the body of Christ. We are members of the body. Uh, he is the head. Okay? Um, 
And we cannot take ourselves as grace believers, as the body of Christ, and try to go back under the law. So in this chapter, we're going to see that Paul is going to double again, double down against this works gospel that was being pushed. And that is what he's addressing. And this is some of his strongest language because he comes right out the gate in verse number one and he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. So he's accusing them of being foolish. They're being bewitched. Interestingly, some of the other translations omit that ye should not obey the truth and among you. Now, I don't understand that because the entire point of Paul's argument here that he's making is that they were not obeying the truth of his gospel which was freedom from the law. So see there when it says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should obey not the truth. And then we go over into some other translations. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus... It doesn't say that. (laughs) NIV. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes Jesus... I mean... O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should obey not the truth. And the truth that Paul is banging on here is grace. Okay? Um, And the others, let's see what the ESV does. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before you. Again, they take it out as well. And I don't understand that because that is the whole point that Paul is trying to make, make here is the truth of his gospel which is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ simply by faith, and that not of works, lest any man should boast. I I don't understand why we take that out. Um, Again, I, I don't understand that. And of course, when it says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you, um, I'll get into that next time, but that implies that it's already been written out. It's been set. It's been evidently set forth or presented to you, crucified among you, and that among you is not referring to the crucifixion among them, but the evidence that has already been set forth. So, which is the truth of Paul's gospel. So, again, I I don't understand the the differences in translations there, but it goes back to underlying text. It goes back to I believe uh, uh, perspectives get involved in translations of the Bible, uh, but we'll talk about that next time. We'll work our way starting in Galatians chapter three, verse number one. So, God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember, God loves you. Wants best for you, and He's working all things out for your good.